You're listening to High Impact Influence, the podcast. You can find the website at growgreat.com. Today is episode 39. If it is to be, it's up to me. Let's talk about doing the hard work of improving yourself. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. Business owners hit some point, usually early in the process of building their business, where you know they lament being unable to replicate themselves. Man, if only I could clone myself. You know, I just I need somebody exactly like me. And this is even more so when the business owner has some innate skill, usually some technical skill maybe even some relationship people kind of a skill that can help propel the business forward. Well, executives hit the exact same point, many because they struggle to control their, well, their control freakishness, you know, just give me that, give me that. I'll do it myself. I never said that they learned leadership, but most of us have had to learn the art of coaching, mentoring, and delegating because we realize we cannot do it all. Sometimes we enjoy using the phrases to illustrate why we are so important and how nobody else can do it as well as we can, which really isn't the point. You know, just give me that. I'll do it myself. When our kids are growing up and they're learning to talk and walk, we're certainly able to talk and walk way better than they can. Well, at least I would hope so. But it's not about us. It's about them. It's about these little kids learning to do those things for themselves. It's about their growth. I go to uh, some little league games and other things that the grandkids are involved in, and it's it's always interesting to watch and observe the parents in the stands shouting out. You know, it's just it's a billion instructions a minute as the kid steps up to bat. You know, hold your hands this way, step this way, step that way lean this way, lean that way as though the kids are even listening, but you can tell it's not about the kid. It's not about their child. It's not about their child having any kind of a good time. It's certainly, it's not really about their child performing better. It's about them. It's about the parent. It's all the head trash and the control freakishness of the parent. These kids, and we're talking, I'm talking 10 and under talking 10, eight, six-year-olds, I mean, you know, come on. They need to figure some of these things out for themselves. I'm not saying that they don't need coaching, but hopefully they've got coaches. They certainly don't need a stand of coaches. Put yourself in those positions. Can you imagine doing your job and the gallery, whomever is in the gallery, they're all shouting things for you to do, and many of them are conflicting? (laughs) yeah you try performing under that kind of pressure and now imagine a six-year-old or an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old trying to do that yeah it doesn't make any sense at all listen leadership it's not about us it's about them it's about their growth this is what leaders do we are trying to influence others and we are trying to help them develop themselves more fully we are not trying to do this for them that is the work We're trying to do what we are able to do that they can't do for themselves. But today we're not talking about 
uh, baseball coaching. We're not talking about, well, we, we're talking about personal growth. I mean, if you want to be really candid about it and why not, it's personal growth. It's personal improvement. It's personal change for the better. And yes, it does involve you. It involves your family. It involves your personal life. It's not just you at the office. It's the whole package. It's all of you. Today, it is all about you. Today, it's not about others. It's about you. It's about your commitment to yourself. Poll people, because I have. Take a poll, take a survey, and you will likely not find a single person who is willing to admit that they are not devoted to self-improvement. I, I mean, I haven't found it. Nearly everybody says, in fact, in my informal surveys, everybody has always said, yes, I'm committed. I'm committed to my own improvement. Now ask a bigger question. Well, what do you do that would illustrate your devotion to that effort? I'll share with you some of the answers that I have received I read books, or I listen to audiobooks, or I read online articles. I watch videos, or I listen to podcasts, or I take online courses. Sometimes I get people that say, well, I'm taking a class. You know, I'm taking some college course. Maybe I'm taking some professional development course. I've had people say, I'm earning my MBA or some other professional advanced certification or degree. What I most often get is you know, I just get a lot of stammering or I get a puzzled look as quickly as everybody can confirm their devotion to their own growth. They just as quickly hit a brick wall in their brain to articulate, well, what are you doing to grow or improve? Now, the third question that I will ask is, is really the acid test question. You know, the first is, well, are you devoted to self-improvement? Yes. Yes, I am. Well, what are you doing that would illustrate your devotion? Then I either get some answer, mostly, like I said, I get stammering. But now the third question, here's the acid test. Other than the time or the homework involved, describe the challenge that you're presented to grow. Well, now that one almost always gets a big effort to stall for time. And usually it's the response is, well, what do you mean? Well, I mean, how are you challenged by the activity to make a change? Well, there's a whole lot more. I mean, come on. I mean, Elmer Fudd really kicks in now. A lot more stammering, a lot more yammering, most often followed by something really generic, you know, but something that sounds really professional because, well, come on, we want to appear professional. Well, it, it pressure tests my thinking. I got that one the other day. I almost... I should have, but I didn't. I almost laughed out loud. It pressure tests my thinking. Well, you know, deeper dives after that response did not reveal very much. I just have to tell you. In my completely unscientific survey, I would estimate that 70%, and I could be low, 70% of the people eventually admit that the activity that they are involved in for their own personal growth and development it's really not serving them very well. In fact, sometimes they will readily admit that they, they enter the activity with high hopes that it might provide some benefit, but mostly what they find is it doesn't. It doesn't. Many times they admit they feel like they're kind of wasting time. 
doing the work versus checking the box. Now, my clients usually, (laughs) they usually lament when our time together is coming to an end. This is very common and I'm flattered by it. Try as I might to prepare them for life beyond our coaching session. Many of them know that the experience is so unique, it may never be replicated. My objective is to provide a framework, a process of thinking where they will be able to fly solo or at the very least be more intentional in the organic relationships that they have by finding people with whom they can be safe. They don't need to have a lot of people, but everybody needs somebody safe and somebody who feels safe around them. Coaching clients who maximize our time together. And I've gone on record and said, that's almost a hundred percent of them. They never approach this work with a check the box mentality. And if they do, we very quickly address that. You know, I, I always begin with me telling them that our journey is not going to go from step one to step two, all the way to say step 30, after which point I'm going to print off some frameable certificate of completion. In fact, I jokingly tell everybody there won't be any certificates after our time together. I meet clients right where they are and some clients they're in a pretty good space, but they've got this kind of nagging challenge. Others, they are knee deep, if not neck deep in some really tough, tough challenges. No two clients are at the same spot. So for me to come in with some one size fits all go, okay, well, we're going to start right here. Well, starting right here, wherever here is, that may not be the best thing for you, depending on where you're at, which is why this whole experience is so unique. It is not one size fits all. So when I go in and I meet a client right where they are, we work very hard to help them figure out as quickly as we can, what's the ideal outcome here. And the rest of our time together is spent helping them figure out how to do the work to make their ideal outcome, not mine. This is their life to make their ideal outcome a reality. And the clients always do the heavy lifting. Well, or in the case of a single exception for me, they don't. I walk into the office. This is an enormous office of a CEO of a manufacturing company. There are two large, I mean, floor to ceiling bookcases filled with books. I'm a book hound. And after we greet each other, you know, I'm, I'm like a moth to a flame, right? I'm heading toward the bookcases. And I make a comment about one of the titles that I see the spine of, and I'm inquiring how the CEO feels about that book. And he says, well, I haven't read that one yet. And so I scan the shelf and I grab another title. Now I've got it in my hand. I'm holding it up and I go, man, this one's really good. And he says, yeah, I need to read that one too. Well, I slide that book back into the shelf. I quit, right? I mean, I quit while I'm behind. I'm already, I'm, I'm two zero because my conclusion is this CEO, he wants these books on the shelf, but he's not much interested in reading these books. And that's how it goes with some people and their dedication to their own self-improvement. They want to look like they're doing the work. They just really don't want to do the work. You know, so many people think, you know, maybe it'll just happen. No, no, it won't. Your life won't just get better. 
There are forces required, and those forces are mostly influenced by your efforts. Your efforts. This is your life. What evidence do you have that you are actually doing the work? Now, your feelings don't count. Sorry. And the way your mama feels about you, that doesn't count either. High-performance cultures, and frankly, anything else we want to label high-performance, they are not restricted to collective professional pursuits. In fact, it starts with individuals. You know what makes a high-performing team? High-performing individuals. You know what makes a great family? Individual family members committed to the family. You could say it begins at home with each one of us accepting responsibility for ourselves. And when I say home, I don't just mean your family home, just home being your own life. If we're going to have the biggest impact, high impact influence to serve others, we've got to take on the job of improving ourselves, which starts with increasing and improving our accountability to ourselves. High impact influence just doesn't happen. It's the result of a lot of dedicated daily work. But the work has to be work that pays off, work that moves the needle in the right direction. Otherwise, it's just a lot of motion. And you and I both know we can all be guilty some days of, man, there's a ton of motion. We've moved a lot all day long. Now, we haven't gotten anywhere. We've been kind of like a hamster on a wheel. We've run, 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 and we are exhausted at the end of the day. Not much to show for it. That's, we can't do that consistently. We've got to have effort that has indicators that this is working or this is not working. How are you going to know? How will you know if you're growing if you don't measure? If you aren't keeping some kind of score, how are you going to know? I have an annual physical just had it some weeks ago. The first thing, you know, you walk in, they're going to, they're going to measure your height, right? I mean, to see how much I'm going to be shrinking or how much I have shrunk over the last year and then wait. Well, okay. Well, that one's not fun. You know, let's see, let's see how much weight you need to lose now. Well, then there's blood pressure. Always good. Heart rate. Also always good. Then comes the deeper dive, right? Then the nurse comes in, puts the tourniquet thing around your bicep has you make a fist and then you donate vials it seems i don't know how many vials it seems like there were three or four of this go around of blood so they can do this full blood panel workup and then within 24 hours i have my inbox my email inbox i've got more numbers than i'm able to count now thankfully my doctor gives me a summary and the numbers of my results which are pages long They are always, my results are compared alongside an acceptable range. So I can now take a look, if I want to go deeper than my doctor's summary, I can look line by line. And I can know if some numbers are out of whack. And if so, well, how far out of whack are they? Until these things are measured and then compared to what is healthy and what the past results were. Well, there's no way to know if physically, if things are about the same, if they're better, if they're worse. And more seriously, there's no way to know if I might be having problems that I'm not even aware of or problems that might be on the horizon. Oh, sure. I can sit around and go, I I feel, I feel fine. I feel fine. I can also be lying. 
I could also be deluding myself. I could also be unaware that there's this slight change in what's going on with me physically. And it might be something that's serious. It might not be something serious, but it might be something that if I got ahead of it, I could do something about it. Fearful. There may be something wrong. Too many people shy away from an annual physical. What I don't know won't hurt me. It too often gives way to what I didn't know. It may now kill me. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish with your physical health. Don't be foolish with your mental health. Don't be foolish with your spiritual health. Don't be foolish with your life in general. Be courageous enough to figure out the score so you can know with some degree of certainty that you are improving or at the worst that you're not sliding backward. You know, some of you, you might be spreadsheet freaks. Are you a spreadsheet freak? I was for years and years because I was responsible for the daily operation of businesses. And other than my current coaching practice, I would live in Excel. Now I don't do this much anymore. In fact, I don't do it at all anymore. I would look at the daily, the weekly, the monthly annual numbers. I had dashboards just like you've probably got at your workplace. You know, it was just a way of life, right? It's a way of life because what we're looking for is we're looking to spot patterns and trends. My goal as a CEO was to quickly spot opportunities and challenges. The faster I could see a trend that I could take advantage of, the greater the success of the organization. The faster I could spot a problem, well, the more quickly I could steer away from potential losses. At least I could mitigate the risk. I don't spend my days doing that. Not, not now. I still measure things, things that are meaningful in my current work. Mostly for me, it's in the form of notes, lots and lots of notes, notes on dates and times of meetings with clients, how much time we spent together, what we talked about, the challenges that they're facing, what actions they're taking to tackle those challenges, what actions they want to take to challenge, take on those challenges, uh, the opportunities they now see, what they're doing to take full advantage of those opportunities, notes about what may be happening with them in their personal lives, a lot of information to help me better guide them as together we try to figure these things out. The overreaching goal, their ideal outcome. Together we have to determine, are we moving closer to that ideal outcome? Are we kind of stuck? Are we moving further away from it? Some days, some days it feels like, you know, we just may not know. I mean, we, we just, we try as we might, we can't figure out, are we making progress? Are we not making progress? And so we may conclude, you know, we need to figure this out. We need to figure out a way that we can, we can figure this out. When you're working on improving yourself, not everything is so easily quantifiable and still we try. If you thought executive coaching was simply a bunch of conversations, then you should know the truth. It's hard work. It's very hard work. I will argue that it is some of the most profitable work that you will ever do because it's your life professionally and personally. There are sessions where clients and me too, we are completely drained due to the strain of what's happening in their life. There are sessions where there is an abundance of pondering as together we're asking question after question after question for which we don't have any answers, but we want to go find the answers. 
There are some sessions where there's an epiphany. These are great. These are glorious sessions. No, they don't happen every time, but because we're so vigorously hunting for them. Yeah. We find them more frequently. This epiphany, big answers that just come flying to the forefront. These eureka moments. None of that, none of any of that happens without a client who is willing to be vulnerable, connected, highly engaged, and accepting the challenge to do the work. Unless those things are in place, absolutely none of that happens. None of it. And those aren't difficult things for clients to do when they understand they benefit most from the work. It's all about them. It's all about their life. It's about their career. It's about their leadership, their growth. If we are unwilling to put in the work for ourselves to ourselves, then I'm going to argue we're not fit for leadership because we certainly are not going to serve other people if we aren't willing to serve ourselves. Do you really want to try to convince me that leadership could consist of a person who's not willing to grow themselves, but they're fully committed to helping their team grow? It's not true. In the scripture, there's a passage directed to husbands to love their wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. In fact, Ephesians 5, 28 through 30, bear with me. If you're not religious, that's fine. But the point, you'll understand the point. Even so ought husbands also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his own life loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as Christ also the church, because we are members of his body. Now the principle is very true and very accurate. A man who beats his wife is despicable on every level. Husbands should love their wives as they love their own body. Righteous or good men don't hate themselves or their wives. Good leaders don't neglect their own growth, thinking that they can help their people grow while they neglect themselves. It never works that way. Show me a leader unwilling to work on themselves, and I will show you a boss, not a leader. And their effectiveness as a boss it won't likely be very high performing. High impact influence is not about perfection. It's about growth. It's about showing up at the doctor's office on your annual physical in a little better shape, maybe a lot better shape than you were before. It's about making the numbers trend in all the right directions. And when they're not, it's about accepting responsibility that I'm going to do everything in my power to improve those as much as I can. Otherwise, improvement and growth will never, ever happen. You will remain stuck and not for too long because the world will notice your lack of positive influence. And that void, that void that you leave in serving others, it's going to be filled by somebody better than you, somebody who is willing to accept the responsibilities that you may not yet be willing to accept somebody who's going to be unwilling to blame others or other things, somebody who refuses to be a victim today. I'm challenging you to be that somebody. Why not? What's stopping you? I'll tell you what's stopping you. You nothing else. It's just up to you to make up your mind. 
Man, I appreciate you listening. Glad that you're here. I hope you're a subscriber to the podcast. I hope you'll tell a friend. High Impact Influence. Again, the website, the easy way to find the website is growgreat.com. You know what I want for you. Yeah, you know, it's the way I end every episode. I want you to be well, do good, and grow great. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio.